Amen. Thank God for the blood tonight. I'm a blood-washed pastor of a blood-washed church with a blood-washed book trying to reach people that need to be blood-washed. Amen. It's still the blood of Jesus. Denominations cannot save. Uh, Human priests cannot save. Church attendants cannot save. Baptism cannot save. Charity cannot save. Morality cannot save. Nothing can save but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our only help. That's our only hope. And without it, we're helpless and hopeless in this world. But I'm thankful there's been a way that's been made. I'm thankful that we've got a gospel that works tonight. I'm thankful that we don't have to worry every time we witness to somebody whether the gospel's going to work. Now, they may reject Christ, but uh, if they walk away not saved, it's not because they weren't uh, able to be saved, and it's not because God was unable to save them, but it's because of their own free will choice. I was talking today uh, about the idea of man's free will and in opposition to uh, Calvinism. And I made the statement, I said, you know, uh, which I didn't originate with me, but I've heard it and it's always stuck with me. God loves us so much that He respects our choices. People say, well, how could a loving God send someone to hell? Well, a loving God doesn't send someone to hell. A loving God did everything He could to keep men out of hell by sending His Son to die on the cross of Calvary. But God does love us enough to respect our wishes and our choices. And He won't force any man to be saved against His will. But by the same token, whosoever will, uh, that is thirsty, may come and drink. And the gospel is good to any and all that will come unto Him by faith and accept His person. And and I'm just thankful tonight for the blood of Jesus Christ. I just don't feel we say it enough. Uh, We wouldn't be what we are, and we sure wouldn't be what we're going to be if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ ought to get us excited. It ought to do something inside of us because it's what's changed us. It's what's given us hope. It's what's purchased us a new home and a new body. It's all been through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the blood of Christ tonight. Bless His holy name that He shed His blood for you and I. I mean, praise the Lord tonight. That, that's enough right there. I could give you an invitation right now, but I won't do it. Amen. All right. Open with me to James chapter number 1 tonight. James chapter number 1. And I want to preach to you on one of the great types or metaphors, whatever you want to call it, of the Word of God. James chapter number 1 tonight. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 22. The Bible says, and you can catch up with me when you get there, says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, we've got a lot of those today, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I want you to pay extra close attention in verse number 23. Let's read it again. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. And I want to preach to you tonight on the topic of through the looking glass. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'd ask that you would just glorify your Son. 
and glorify Your Scriptures this evening. Lord, we know that You've exalted Your Word above even Your very name. And we ask, Father, that we would through reverence and through study and through submission do honor to the Word of God tonight. We ask, Lord, that You'd meet every heart's need. If there's one amongst us that's lost and undone, show them their need of Calvary, Lord. Uh, We pray if there's one that's backslidden, that You'd reclaim them to a close walk with You. But, Father, You know every single heart's need, and we do not. And so we ask You through the power of the Holy Ghost and through the majesty of the Word of God to meet each of those needs. Father, help me. Give me unction and power as I preach. Help me not to say anything that I ought not to say, Lord, and help me not to shy away from saying anything that I should say. And we'll be sure to thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you read through the Word of God, you'll find that the Word of God is full of all types of metaphors. Now, a metaphor is a linguistic tool, a grammatic tool uh, that we use to express or to explain an idea. And essentially, we could say that a parable uh, has a lot of qualities of a metaphor. I know when I was growing up uh, in school and in English class, uh, they would talk about similes and metaphors. And that's saying that such and such is like something else. Usually this is used uh, to uh, shed light upon a topic and upon a truth. You'll find as you study all through the Word of God that there are plenty of metaphors that are given to us so that we might understand some things about the Word of God, the truth of God, the Spirit of God, the Son of God, God the Father. All various different topics and ideals are given to us. And tonight as we've read this passage, I want to draw our attention in verse number 23 uh, to the metaphor that's given, that the Word of God is like unto a glass. Notice it again. We'll read it once more. For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like... That tells us this is a metaphor that we're about to read. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Now, you know, I can tell not many of us own mirrors. Amen? But I'm sure you're pretty well acquainted with what a mirror is. And that's what's being spoken of in this passage. Uh, In this time, a mirror typically would not have been made out of glass as we would understand it. But usually it would have been a highly polished metal that would have uh, given a reflection into it. And that's what's being spoken of here. Simply a mirror. We we all probably have them hanging around our houses. Uh, Some of us have too many. Like I already said, some of us probably have too few. Uh, But we're acquainted with what a mirror is. God chooses to use metaphors because they are typically things... That are familiar to us. I'll give you another for instance, and we won't preach on it tonight. But the Bible calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. And I believe that in a a very spiritually uh, literal sense that it is the sword of the Spirit. But I believe that it also is a metaphor that we can understand some truths about the Word of God. Well, tonight we see that the Word of God is likened unto a mirror. And I want to just share with you a few things. Uh, Could I say to you that if you don't believe that God's Word is true, there's no help for you. Now, that may seem like an abrupt and rude thing to say, but that is simply the reality. This is a book of faith. Uh, There's all kinds of people that say, well, it's full of contradictions and and, uh, holes in it. By the way, they've never been able to show me one. Uh, Not a single one in this King James Bible. Never once. But you'll hear people say, well, there's all sorts of contradictions. And I'll agree that there are difficulties in the Word of God. But then it's a book of faith. 
If you're looking for a problem with the Word of God, you'll fabricate one just so you can reject it. If you don't have any hope in this book, you reject the only hope that you have. The Bible says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It is the seed of salvation. It is the manna from heaven. Uh, It is the hammer through which we iron out and dash to pieces the vain idols of our hearts. It is the fire by which we are purified in our daily walk. The Word of God ought to be supreme in the life of the believer. The Bible tells us, and I mentioned it earlier, uh, the Lord said in the book of Psalms, Thou hast magnified Thy Word above all Thy name. That's pretty important, don't you think? The name of Jesus is the name at which every knee shall bow. The name of Jesus is the name on which we call for salvation. The name of Jesus was the name by which miracles were performed. The name of Jesus is the name that was given from an angel to his mother that he would be named. It is a divine name that's been given to him from the very lips of God. But the Bible says that the Word of God is magnified above that. There's not much above the Word of God. Uh, the Bible says uh, about the name of God. And I'm, uh, listen, I, I'll preach here in just a second, but I, I enjoy this. Listen to this. The Bible says thou hast, uh, that thy name is exalted above all blessing and praise. But the Word is magnified above thy name. That means the Word of God is more important than blessing and praise. You say, preacher, are you against blessing and praise? No, friend, I'm not against it. But just because we have praise, if we don't have doctrinal integrity, we've got nothing. Just because, I know, we'll be okay here in just a second. Uh, you know, when something is hard to swallow, you just sometimes you just got to grind a bit. But uh, praise is important. Praise is vital, but the Word of God is more important than praise. You can praise all you want, but if you're not praising in the right way or about the right thing, it doesn't mean a thing to God. The Word of God is important. You'll hear people say sometimes, well, I'm fine till they start preaching that doctrine. Well, which doctrine? Because the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. There's not a single portion of that holy book that sits right there that's not profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is divisive. I understand that. You'll hear, that's what you'll hear people say. Well, you know, I was in the church and they started preaching doctrine and it busted it all up. Well, they weren't there for the right reasons then. Sure, doctrine divides. It separates the wheat from the chaff. It shows who's submissive to the Word of God and who is in it for their own ideals and who wants the Word of God to agree with them. See, it's easy to shout when the Word of God says what we want, but it's tough when the Word of God says something that we're not pleased with. But are we going to be submitted to the Word of God? That's the key. The Word of God is important. In fact, I would say the Word of God is most important. Whenever Jude spoke of the common salvation, he said, "Uh, Beloved, when I thought unto you uh, to write of the common salvation, he said, "I, I found it needful that I write unto you first that you should contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I was going to write to you about salvation, but... If I didn't write to you about contending for the faith, there would have been no point in writing to you about salvation. You know what we have going on today? We have a lot of evangelism with no discipleship. 
We have a lot of evangelism with no one grounding people in the truths of the Word of God. And do you know what happens then? Think of the sower and the seed. The sower holds life and death in his hand. He holds the past and the future in his hand. And he holds the hope and dream of a new crop in his hand. But it's of no avail if the seed that he's sowing is not profitable. It may look good. It may sound good. But if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it means nothing. And I understand that's not popular today because we live in a day of campfires and kumbaya. But the sheer truth of the matter is, God cares what you believe. God cares what you believe. You say, preacher, are you saying everybody's got to line up with you? No, you don't have to line up with me at all. But you do need to line up with the Word of God. Because it's the absolute truth. It is eternal. It will never change and it will never be destroyed. They can make a thousand counterfeits, but God will always preserve His true and pure and unadulterated Word. Always. It cannot be destroyed. The Word of God is important to us. It ought to be important to you. It ought to be a part of your everyday life. We look in a mirror every day. Most of us do. We ought to look into the mirror of the Word of God every day. It ought to be put in a prominent place. Most people, if they've got a mirror, at least a full-length mirror, a mirror that they intend to spend some time looking in front of, they don't hide it behind a dresser or in a drawer. They keep it somewhere prominent where they can look upon it in a moment if they need to. And the mirror of the Word of God ought to be something that's kept prominent before our eyes. Something that, that we, some of you ladies, when you left home tonight, you've got a mirror on you. Us men would carry them too. We're just not happy with what we'd see. Amen? Uh, some of you could open that purse right now and pop out a little mirror that you could look at. I wonder how many of uh, the ladies could open their purse and pop out a little copy of the Word of God to look at if they needed to. I wonder how many of us men, uh, if it hadn't been church time, we could have at least gone out to our car and got our mirror out. I wonder how many of us, our mirror has been uh, sitting unlooked at for a week right now. I wonder how many of us have dust on our mirror at the house. I wonder how many of us, when we open our mirror that we've owned for years, the pages still sound crisp because we've opened it so few times. I'm saying to you tonight, it's important how you feel about the Word of God. It's important whether you absorb it, whether you read it. It'll define who you are as a Christian. You've got to love the Word of God. And it'll change you. It'll change you for the better. I just want to notice a few things, and I, and I promise you, I'm not going to keep you long. I want to notice that first off, a mirror is given for revelation. Uh, when we get a mirror, a mirror is given to express and relate some things to us. We look in a mirror to get information. We don't look in a mirror just for a good time, and again, some of y'all may, but, but most of us, we look in a mirror because we want to know what we can learn from it. By the same token, if we are to ever learn anything of truth, it can only come from the Word of God. All other truth is subject uh, to the bias and opinion of the persons giving it, but not the Word of God. I mean, I don't know if we realize what a miraculous thing we hold in our hands. You've got a King James Bible in your hand. You hold absolute truth there in front of you. You don't have to doubt a single word of it. You don't have to change a single word of it. You might have to change your understanding, but you won't have to change what it says. You won't have to change the truth of it. Uh, people say, well, you know, preacher, there's archaic words in there. Well, I guess we ought to unarchaic them, shouldn't we? I mean, you don't find people going through Shakespeare and changing the language to update it. Am I right? 
but we'll do it to the Word of God. Almost makes it seem, I mean, if it's the Word of God, Brother Ralph, and we're willing to go in and change it, it's almost like we think we're God, huh? I mean, it seems like that's a message, doesn't it? We think we're God, and we think we have the right to change His Word. There's something wrong with that. No, the Word of God is given for revelation. It's given to relate information and absolute truth to us. You study the Word of God and you'll find that though it's not a science book, it's been more accurate about science than any other textbook that's ever been given. Before ever scientists understood that the world was round, before ever they understood the truths of uh, germs and of contagious diseases, uh, before they ever understood that gold would run through a vein in the mountains of this earth, the Word of God already had it recorded and it was so. The Word of God has more science, absolute science in it, than any science textbook you'll ever see, and yet it's not a science textbook. It's the greatest history book that's ever been written. It's not a history book, but it's historical. And uh, you can trust that what you read in there, there's a great boom in the 1800s of archaeology. Uh, and most of you, if you've got a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, you have an archaeological supplement in the back that you can open and thumb through. And in the late 1800s, as the Middle East was becoming, uh, beginning to be opened up, archaeologists were going over there and finding uh, thousands and thousands of artifacts as they would dig through ancient cities. And you know what you find? You find that in an age when men were trying to change the Bible, it was the archaeologists that were proving uh, the validity and absolute truth of the Word of God. Because they would go through and they they would find instance after instance where secular history confirmed biblical history. Where it had been thought for years that the Bible was just a book of fairy tales, but the Bible says that we've not followed cunningly devised fables. No, this is the absolute truth of the Word of God. The history in it is 100% accurate. It's not a book of philosophy. Philosophy is uh, the search for questions, Brother Ralph. That's what philosophy is. I heard a man put it this way, and I've never forgot it. He said, philosophy uh, is the equivalent of a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there. But do you know that you'll find all the great answers to the questions of life in the Word of God. And on and on we could go. Uh, you'll find a lot of great songbooks. I love the Red Church Hymnal. I mean, there's nothing like a Red Church Hymnal. I don't believe it's inspired, uh, but I sure believe it's good. Amen. I, I like the Red Church Hymnal. But you'll find that the Word of God is the greatest songbook uh, that has ever been written. As you go through the Psalms, you can find, uh, you can go through and put them to tunes and put them to meter and begin to sing the Psalms and you'll find it'll soothe your soul in a way a lot deeper than any of the hymns that we sing today will. What I'm saying to you is that the, the Word of God has absolute supremacy over any other book because it shows absolute truth to us. Do you want to know what the truth of a matter is? Go to the Word of God. The chief problem in society of today uh, is that we've rejected the truths of the Word of God. We've redefined what the Bible teaches us about things. Uh, the Bible says that sodomy is a sin, but man has said he knows better. The Bible teaches that drunkenness and alcohol is a sin, but man has said, I know better. The Bible teaches us that adultery and fornication are sin, but man has said, I know better. And look where our world is, filled with violence and chaos. What happened? We departed from the truths of the Word of God and we're reaping from it. We're reaping and we're going to continue to reap. It is a book that reveals to us the person of God and the true identity of humanity. It is a book that reveals to us both the path that got us here and the way out of this mess that we're in. It is absolute truth tonight. It is a book of revelation. But I would say too, Brother Ralph, that it's a book of illumination. 
Uh, the Word of God not only shows you absolute truth, but it gives you insight to those truths and insight to your own life in a way that no other book can. Typically, when we look in a mirror, who are we looking at? Us, right? Isn't that true? We're looking at us when we look in a mirror. But we can look for detail. We can see things in a way we've never seen them. Uh, there's probably been a few times that you've rolled out of bed and you've thought, I feel pretty good this morning. And you may have strutted around the house in your pajamas for a little while, not gone and brushed your teeth and uh, not done this or that, got your cup of coffee and done this and that. And, uh, you know, you just feeling pretty good. And you decide you're just going to go ahead and go out the house. You forgot to brush your teeth. Some of you do, amen. I know you say you don't, but some of you do. And uh, so you just threw your clothes on and you was ready to go, right? I mean, you was ready. You thought one thing till you stepped in front of that mirror. Hair turned all sideways in one place. Hoagie sandwich stuck to the side of your head. Peanut butter all over your chin. You thought you knew something until you looked in and then you gained some insight that you hadn't previously had. We really think, man is so prideful, we really think we've got this whole thing figured out, don't we? But you'll find if you read the Word of God that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It may look dark where you're at, but you'd be amazed what shedding a little light on it will do for you. You'd be amazed. The Bible says that the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. You'd be amazed if you turn on that lamp what it'll show you. It's there for illumination. But I would say, too, that it's there for something else. It's there for magnification, Brother Ralph. Now, not all mirrors are like this. Some mirrors are like this. Uh, you, you ever been to a fun house mirror? Seen, seen a fun house mirror? I saw a person the other day that looked like a fun house mirror, Brother Taylor. I'm serious. I've never seen a forehead like I saw in this person. It was an eight head and change. I mean, it was awful. And I got forehead, you know what I mean? I mean, I got me and you were in the same boat. I mean, we just, I don't know what scared our hair, but it ain't changing its mind, is it? But a funhouse mirror magnifies and embellishes certain things. But there's another kind of glass that we're familiar with. And some of you, as you're getting older, when it's time to read, you break this glass out. And what do we call it? A magnifying glass. It allows you to magnify your situation and get to the heart of what you're trying to read and what you're trying to do. The Word of God puts things in proper proportion, Brother Ralph. You know, there's a lot of things in this life we think are important that don't mean a thing. That bank account that you're working so hard for ain't going to mean a thing. That car that you're so proud of ain't going to mean a thing. That house that you're working so hard for, hey, listen, me and my wife, we'd love to move right now. If God will allow it, we'd love to do it. Nothing wrong with having a nice car, having a nice house. Nothing wrong with having a big bank account if you'll share some of it with me. But I'm saying these things we obsess over, they mean nothing. People lost and dying and on their way to hell all around us. And we could care less about that as long as we can cash that paycheck next week. God help us. We need to take a look in the mirrors what we need to do. We need to put things in their proper proportion. We need to see the value. It tickles me to death to see all the babies around. I love babies. They're fat. They're cute. They can't talk back yet. I love them. I love mine. I love everybody else's. I love to see babies around. But, you know, I found even in the short time that I've been a parent, it's easy sometimes to let things get out of proportion and forget how important a job we've really got as a parent. I mean, we're shaping a human being. They'll look at us, Brother Ralph. They'll look at me. My boy LB is going to look at me. And what he believes about God will be largely defined by how I live. That's the truth. 
They say that the mother's the Holy Spirit of the home. And I believe that's true. Some of you mamas, these babies, they're looking. I'm speaking to my own wife, too. These babies are looking at you. And they're learning some things about the Holy Spirit of God by the way that you live. And us daddies, our perception of God typically comes from our perception of our daddies. And these kids are looking at us. They're looking to see how we live and how we act. Uh, One thing I can guarantee you, our children will never be more faithful than we are. If we're in church uh, three times a week and have them here every single time that we can, and God is merciful and does a work in their heart and life, they may wind up in church three times a week. If we start getting hit and miss, you'll be lucky if they're here on Sunday mornings. You don't show up but once a month. Don't expect to see them here but Christmas and Easter. Because what you do in moderation, others do in excess. And they're watching us, daddies. They're watching us. That puts things in proportion for me. I mean, brother, it makes it's a sobering thought that my little boy is looking to me and you say, Preacher, he's so young, he's so little. Well, according to what all y'all are telling me, it won't be long. And he'll be grown. And I got this little window of time that I can mold and shape and try to show him Christ in some way. I tell you, when I look through this magnifying glass, it shows some proportion to things in my life. Some of you have a little bit of time left. I don't know who and I don't know why. I'm not plotting on any of y'all, so don't get nervous. You might be plotting on me, but I'm not plotting on you. But that's just the reality of the matter. It don't matter if you're young or old. Uh, We could all be snuffed out in a moment. Or the Lord could come back and, and we'd all have to have finished written on our lives as we're raptured out of here. Why are we living our life? I made the statement this morning... Uh, if we're going to serve Jesus Christ, we better do it now because He's coming soon. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Because you're going to have all eternity that's going to be affected by it. How are you living your life? I tell you, friend, you start looking through this magnifying glass and it changes things, Brother Ralph. You start looking into the truths of the Word of God and it changes the way you live, the way you operate, the way you think, the way that you act. We find that it is a mirror, it is a glass that is given to us for revelation, for illumination. It's given to us for magnification, but it's given to us for examination. You really want to know what God thinks about you? Get in the Word of God to find out. Most of us are scared of that. Maybe you're not. I am. It scares me. We all talk about the rapture, and I look forward to the rapture. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, I look forward to that resurrection day. I look forward to having a new body. I look forward to leaving this world and the sorrows. But do you know what Paul said about the second coming of Jesus Christ? He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Then you know what he said right after? He said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I believe if you'd asked Paul, he would have said, Well, brother, I'm excited, but I'm awful anxious about it too. Because i got some things I'm going to have to answer for. You really want to know. And you know why that day is terrifying? Because that's the day we find out what God thinks about our life. I mean, straight from His mouth. But you know before then, we can learn, Brother Ronnie, straight from His mouth what He thinks about us. The Bible says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, him not, he not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work shall be blessed. The fact of the matter is, you really want to know 
Stop trying to rationalize. Stop trying to justify. Stop trying to find people that will accept it. Open the Word of God and find out what He thinks about the way that you're living. That's what a mirror is there for, right? What most of us look in it for. We want to see us and we want to see what's wrong with us. That's what the Word of God is, is for. And you say, well, I don't need no mirror. Well, you're not looking at you. I can say that about me, but I'm not looking at me. And we all look pretty good to ourselves. You know why? Because we naturally are not looking. Hey, if it wasn't for water, for mirrors, or for some reflective surface, we'd never know what we look at. Uh, we'd never know what we look like. If it's not for the Word of God, we're never going to find out who and what we really are. The Word of God says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, and the wages of sin is death. That's what God thinks about us. That's not what this preacher thinks. That's not what this church thinks. That's uh, not what a certain denomination thinks. That's what God thinks about us. Do we believe it or not? We're sooner to believe the mirror on our wall than we are the mirror in our bookshelf. But the truth of the matter is, uh, that mirror on our wall stands a sooner chance of lying to us than the mirror on our bookshelf. You want to know how God feels about your life? About your measure of faithfulness, about your measure of giving, about your measure of service, about your measure of devotion, about your measure of devotional life to Christ and fellowship with it. You really want to know. You open the Word of God and He'll tell you. And He'll show you. And I know you're thinking, well, preacher, that sounds like bondage, but the Bible calls it the perfect law of liberty. Man can't fix himself unless he knows what's wrong. Man can't change himself unless he sees what needs to be changed. And that brings me to my final thing, and I'm going to hush. I probably made everybody mad, but I, we got pizza, so it'll all be better before it's done with. It's there for transformation. You may be a creature of vanity. I guess we all are creatures of vanity, but I mean in a particular way. You may have a mirror just because you like looking at yourself. You don't look like me. If you looked like me, you wouldn't do that. Amen? Uh, thank you, Brother Charlie. And... Uh, <laughs> But we really look in a mirror because we know there's things we need to change about us. We know there's things. We know we're not perfect. We know we're not sinless. Let me ask you something. If you're sinless, what do you need a Savior for? I mean, if you believe that you never do anything wrong, if you believe you're sinless, why don't you quit with Christianity, quit with the hypocrisy of uh, worshiping a Savior if you think that you have no sin? Because if you have no sin, you don't need a Savior. But you're here tonight, and I'm here tonight, because we know we need something from God. That's why we're here tonight. That's why all of us are here. That's why you ought to be here. If you're not, you ain't going to get what you need from Him. But that's why we're here tonight. We're here. Uh, our presence here tonight is a confession that we're helpless without Christ. It's a confession that we're incapable and insufficient in and of ourselves. By being here tonight, we're recognizing, Lord, I need you to do a work in my heart and life. Here's the thing. Are we willing? It says, continueth therein in the work. Doeth the work. Continueth therein and doeth the work. That means not just walking by the mirror and saying, okay, God, that's what I look like, and then walking on. But that means walking in front of the mirror and looking and saying, Lord, if this is your opinion of me, I'm going to allow you to change me, and I'm going to do what I can to change me. What do you think it means when it says, uh, but uh, doeth the work? What work? The work that needs to be done when you're standing in front of that mirror. 
Some of you ladies, you stand in front of a mirror, and you know what you do? You begin to get to work. You, pay, you pull out the paint and the rollers and the, and the varnish and the, uh, you know, all, all you, you start, and you start in on it. You know what I mean? Some of us need a paint booth in the house, amen? You start in on it. You apply a foundation. And on top of the foundation, I guess you do your subfloor. And I don't know, and, you know, studs on top of that, plumbing, electrical, whatever it is, you begin the work because you want to change something. Let me tell you what your choice is tonight. Some of you, God spoke to your heart. You've walked by the mirror tonight. And you've glanced at it. Now, here's your choice. Are you going to continue therein? Stay in front of the examination until the transformation is done. Or are you going to walk on and say, I'll tend to it another day? How precious is the Word of God that would reveal to us our sins and our failures? That's grace and mercy. God could let us go on in ignorance and still hold us accountable. But He doesn't. Instead, He gives us the precious Word of God to reveal what's lacking in our life. And not only does He have the grace to show us where we're wrong, He has the grace to get us right. And so tonight, if God's dealt with you in any way, I want you tonight to be willing to do, deal with Him. Uh, don't be a forgetful hearer. But continue therein. Be a doer of the work. And I promise you, you'll be blessed.